We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I am Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Kyle Porter. Kyle, what's going on? Not much, Carson. Uh, just a, another beautiful day here in Dallas. Getting ready to go to the PGA next week. Just, things are good. I'm enjoying life. Me too. I just went and saw The Killers in Oklahoma City, and uh, I, I, I fulfilled two dreams. I've been a big fan of them since college. When you and I were in college, The Killers were like, the band and so i finally got to see them in person and then i didn't get to enjoy it totally fully because i kept getting texts from damon lane our weather guy and like friends and family telling me to get out of there because like hail was moving in and severe weather so i ended up doing like a live report from the concert <laughs> channel five on my phone it was pretty Wait, fun you did, you did a lot like you were on tv from the concert no i just on my phone i did like what we call a phoner in the in the biz where i i I called them on my phone and did like a live report via, gotcha. via cell phone. Gotcha. So they had like my they had like my headshot there with like the weather map. I, I, I posted a tweet about it. If you want to go for humor's sake, if you want to go, I have the the killers in one shot and then me doing a phone in the other. If this you is go like this is like the most Oklahoma news story ever. Yeah, no, just, like a, just a kid from Oklahoma living the dream, going to an outdoor the, concert and doing weather, doing the weather from <laughs> from a concert. Yeah, well, um, it's funny. Every sports guy kind of wants secretly wants to do a little bit of weather. I mean, I don't want to be on the air for nine hours straight like they do, but but every every weather guy wants to dabble in sports. You know, it's kind of it's kind of everyone's deal there. Have you guys ever have you guys ever like switched for a day? No, I mean I've covered weather before. I've I've done a few live shots in the rain and 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 severe weather just. When they're shorthanded, sometimes you get thrown into that. If it's real yeah. bad, you get thrown into it. But uh, no, I've never done. I never stood on the green screen and pointed to the map or anything like that. That seems like it would be. Uh, seems like it'd be hard. I mean, and maybe people think this about sports, but it's kind of like, well, there's some rain and uh, there's it's going <laughs> to be hot, and uh, it seems like it would be hard to make it interesting. I guess. Well, and they do on a daily basis, three and a half minutes. And that there's literally no script. They're just literally ad libbing for three yeah. and a half minutes about the weather. So it's yeah, pretty I could, impressive. I, yeah. I couldn't do that. Uh, you want to talk some Oklahoma state news here? Yes, let's do it. So first thing up, uh, I don't, I, I'm sure you saw this because we, we, I think we actually referenced it last week, but, uh, over unders are out for college football. There, there's different places that set different over unders, but DraftKings uh, has theirs out. And uh, Alabama and Clemson are at the top. No surprise there. I think their numbers are like 11. Uh, and then Georgia is next at 10 and a half. Then you get some teams like OU and Ohio State, Boise State, UCF, different teams like that at 10 for their over-under. Oklahoma State's over-under, six. What was your reaction uh, whenever you first saw that? And just kind of what would just, yeah, what was your thought about that? Well, it didn't match, you know, you and I talked about the, the national championship odds and they were what, 23rd, did 23rd best odds. Yep. So it doesn't really correlate. It was my first right. instinct, right. but it also makes a lot of sense to me because it feels like Vegas gets the over under win total wrong on OSU more than any team in the country. I, I mean, know. it seems I like know. they're real low, even when they were like loaded with Rudolph and, and Washington and them, they put it at eight and a half and yeah. they would threaten to win 10 every every year so i think i think it's low but i i think it's i think i would definitely want to wager that if i was in vegas because they want they went six and six last year despite 
literally not being able to cross midfield during some games <laughs> against TCU. I mean, yeah, I mean, I know they lost some some dudes like Justice Hill and Jordan Brailford, but I don't know. I, I think the Big Twelve is 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 I think six wins to me is the the absolute floor for me. Yeah, I mean, you know. I'm looking at the schedule and, and I guess I guess there's a scenario in which it can go badly with the defense or with the quarterback or whatever. But if you walk through the schedule, you're playing McNeese State, you're playing Tulsa, and you're playing Kansas at home. Right? So that's like that's three wins right there. Like you should the the, the there's like a ninety eight percent probability that you win those three games. And so then you have to win three of your other nine games. It it just seems like I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, and I know this is not a direct like correlation, but I went back and looked at like Oklahoma State's bounce back seasons. Like, when have they been, you know, a six or seven win team uh, in the regular season? What have they done the year after? How have they bounced back? And, and some of that's different because you know they had some continuity in quarterback. But three out of the four times it's happened. I guess this year will be the fifth, but three out of the four previous times that it's happened where they won six or seven games in a year under Gundy, they've bounced back and won nine or 10 the, the next year. I think, it, I think the number was nine. I think three out of the four times it's happened, they've won nine the next year, at least nine and sometimes 10. And so I just, it's just not a, it's not an organization. It's not a team that year over year has won, you know, six in a row, six in a row, they just they seem to bounce back the year after, and I, I, I you know, again, it's going to come down to quarterback play. But I just, I w- I would be comfortable betting the over, and then at worst, maybe you push that at six. Yeah, I agree. And and just look around the Big Twelve, Kyle. Who scares you if you're OSU? I mean, obviously, Oklahoma and Texas will be the two toughest games this season. West Virginia is going through a very similar reboot that Oklahoma State is at quarterback. So I mean. Texas Tech has a new coach. Kansas State has a new coach. I, I, to me, like the Big Twelve is pretty, pretty ripe for the taking if you're Oklahoma State, as long as you know, obviously they take care of their own business. But I just you, I can't envision them winning five games next year. Tell me which one of these you feel best about. If you're if you're betting, if you have to bet the over, do you feel best about Texas at nine and a half? This is re- this is regular season only. Do you feel best about Texas at nine and a half? Washington State at ten. How about that? Florida State at seven and a half, or Oklahoma State at six. Oh, OSU by by, by far. I right. Mean, Texas Texas has to play LSU in non conference, and they're look. I know they had a great year last year, but they're still Texas. They lost. They lost uh, little Jordan Humphrey, who didn't get drafted, by the way, which I thought was interesting. Um, so no, I I think I take that to the bank. They're winning more than six games, and like I think six is their absolute worst case scenario, and you still push with that. And it kind of reminds me, Kyle. Now this is totally different, and I'm not saying OSU's going to win ten games and win the Alamo Bowl. But do you remember the the first year with Whedon and and Blackman and and Kendall Hunter? Yeah, Vegas had them. I think at six wins, and they they started the season like ten and zero. <laughs> no, they lost that. They lost the uh, the Taylor Martinez game. But yeah, I mean, to your I thought point, they were. I, I thought they were. I thought they were ten and zero going into that game. I think they maybe, were like, maybe nine and zero. Yeah, I think they were like no. I thought they were like seven and six and zero or seven and zero. Well, and I know they, they covered. I know they covered the win total like in their first however many yeah. games, like yeah. seven, <laughs> like seven or eight and zero. Yeah, and I I may have um, 
I may have under represent or misrepresented like hasn't Oregon State been really bad the last couple of years? Oh, they've been horrendous. Okay, so Oregon State was two and ten last year and one and eleven the year before that. Yeah, like they're as bad as you get for a power five school. So I, I, again They like, make they make Boise look like Miami like in two thousand. <laughs> By the way, I saw the uh, somebody ranked like the the twenty or the last twenty national title winners, like from best to worst. Did you see who was number one? Did you see this? I think it was on SB Nation, maybe. I did not. Let me guess. Was it? Um, oh, I guess one of the Alabama teams. Uh, no, O one Miami. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I thought you were bringing it up because it was some ludicrous list that's that's clear the clear winner <laughs> of course kenny dorsey baby they had like seven first round picks <laughs> seven that was the that was the ed reed sean taylor right yeah and yeah. clinton portis oh my gosh they were that's the most stacked team ever i think yeah, like I... I think like 40 guys got drafted on that team that total roster once they all went through their eligibility it's some some absurd number like that Seven first-round picks, and then like 38 of them got drafted. Just totally absurd. <laughs> That's. Uh... But to me, 95 Nebraska is still the best team I've ever seen. They, they, they didn't win a game by less than two touchdowns. Whereas that 01 Miami team had to skirt by Boston College. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Oklahoma State. I mean, they. Sh- if again, we're, we'll, we can run this back when they when they go four and eight, and you know at the end of the year, but it just seems like they have three or four games that it's like, yeah, you should definitely win those games. And so then you start looking at the rest of the schedule and it's like, well, you're basically like buying into the program, literally figuratively, whatever. And, uh, they've been really good over the last, over the last decade. So, uh, I thought that was interesting. I wrote a piece on Wednesday about, uh, outside receiver, Mike Gundy was asked about this after the spring cotillion <laughs> and he said they're immature, immature at, uh, at the Tyron Johnson spot. And he brought up something interesting. I think we, we may have talked about this, but he mentioned potentially putting Dylan Stoner on the outside, which I presume would kind of free up some space for Lane and Wolf to get, to be the starter essentially on the inside. Um, but I don't know. What, what did you think about his, his comments about them being immature at, at, uh, I can't even say it normal, but it being immature (laughs) at the outside receiver, because you, I mean, they are technically, but like, I I feel like, I don't know the, the, we're like discounting the CJ Moore thing. You've got, um, Patrick McCoffman returning from injury. What, what, what about that whole deal intrigues you? Well, yeah, it's to me they they're all young players, so he's not off base when he calls them immature. I can't say it right either. It's immature, I guess. But um, no, I mean, I, I really like the idea actually of moving Stoner outside. That's that's where he played in high school. He's not look just because he's white. Everyone assumes he's going to be a just a shifty little slot receiver. He's actually a, a burner and, and can beat people deep. Like that's what he did a lot at at, at Jinx High School. So I don't I don't hate that at all, and he's proven to be one of the more more reliable guys, and I think that's where you would want a guy on the outside. But I, I would agree with Gundy. I mean, C.J. Moore's never played. The, the Shepherd kid, who I like a lot, hasn't played. None of these guys have played, so they they aren't very mature at this level. So I think that's why he would 
he would, you know, raise those concerns. Now they, they've recruited very well, as we know with, with Casey Dunn. So I, yeah. I really would like to see more of these guys in, in fall camp. I, I think CJ Moore really showed me something in spring ball. Look, he, he, he came in highly recruited, but we had never seen him play. He was obviously redshirted last year, and he, he he popped off the off the screen to me when I watched the highlights. So I like him, and I really like Jonathan Shepard coming out of high school. When they when I they signed too. him, yeah. he was kind of one that I kind of circled. I thought, okay, that, that that's who I kind of like in this class. So yeah. they have they have candidates, but he's not wrong saying they're immature. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think the McCoffman thing is going to be interesting because, I mean, he was getting just such buzz last year in camp and then all of a sudden he's out with the knee and like it just you know it just kind of goes sideways but he I, I just I felt like the buzz he was getting I, he seemed like the guy in camp where you're like wow is it how's it you know is this guy gonna be just like awesome throughout the year and and they were already obviously loaded at wide receiver so uh, I think to me, he's the guy along with, I mean, I think CJ Moore obviously is going to play, but I think McCoffman, maybe even Braden Johnson, I don't know how he fits in. Um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see kind of how they handle that position. Yeah. McCoffman, I remember was getting a lot of buzz and it reminds me a lot of Marcel Aitman when Marcel yeah. Aitman was, I want to say a red, the years all run together, but I think when he was red shirting. People I talked to were like, wait till this Aitman kid is, yeah. wait, this kid's going to be the next one in line behind Blackman and those guys. So yeah. uh, there, there is a lot of credence to that when you, when you start hearing those words, I guess Gundy said he's 70%. How do you, how do you land on that number? Yeah. He, well, he goes, he said something like, I don't like to, I, he said, I think I, I hate it when people assign percentages, but <laughs> And I was like, wait, do you? Because that's one of our bingo squares on our card is when you just assign a random number or percentage to something. <laughs> and and preach it as the gospel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty great. Uh, okay, speaking of outside receiver, the guy that whoever plays out there will be replacing, Tyron Johnson. Dustin Ragusa wrote a piece on him on Wednesday. And about his chances to make the roster uh, for the Houston Texans, and uh, I gotta say, Carson, I think I think there's a pretty good chance he could make that roster. They've had a lot of guys that are injured or just not able to stay on the field, and I feel like he's the kind of guy that you get him in camp, and you're like, oh, whoa, like what is this, you know? And so I don't know. Do you do you think that there's a? I mean, what? <laughs> You don't have to assign a percentage to it, but what do you think the chances are of him making that Houston roster? Well, when I read the headline, I kind of was like, the guy didn't even get drafted. He, he might not even make the team, and we're talking about what he can do. And then I I thought Ragusa laid it out pretty well, as you mentioned. The, it's not exactly a murderer's row there at the receiver position in Houston. So that, that, again, is the benefit of not getting drafted. You pick a place where they're thin at a spot, and hopefully you make an impression. My biggest concern, Kyle, though, is this is a guy who could not prove to Oklahoma State coaches that he belonged on the field just with practice habits and the day-to-day operations. How's he going to handle that at the NFL level? That would be yeah. my big concern. But from a talent pers- standpoint, he, he clearly should make the team, and I think that would have a really great shot to play. I think it, he's a guy I think Deshaun Watson would like to throw the ball to. I just I do have questions about the day-to-day professionalism it's it's no nonsense at that level and he clearly had issues getting on the field in Stillwater yeah that's a good point um by the way 
Speaking of receivers from the state of Oklahoma, I read today that uh, Marquise Brown in high school was like 130 pounds. He showed up at o- at OU weighing like 160. That's crazy. 155 or something. Because he went to he went to uh, he was JUCO right? He went to JUCO. Yep. And then he went to 130 pounds in high school. Oh, he's, he's still tiny, but he's yeah, he first first round pick. He showed up at OU weighing like 155, 160. That's and insane. first round draft pick. That's how fast he is. <laughs> yeah, that's nuts. Um, well, yeah, you know, we'll see about Tyron and and with all these guys. Yeah, I think Justice is the only guy where you're like, okay, he's he's going to be on a roster, and everybody else, you're like, well, I don't know, we'll see. You know, even even Brailford in Washington, even though he got drafted, it's you know seventh round, so I don't know. Who knows? Uh, okay, Oklahoma State added another. It seems like every time we've had a podcast, they've added another basketball player. But uh, they added uh, a transfer, Jonathan Laurent, uh, into the mix. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be a completely different roster next year, Carson. I'm gonna need the program, like out. <laughs> the, the depth chart the roster <laughs> i have to put some name and i need like the headshot version i can't just you do numbers because these are all new players but but no you're right i guess duncan demuth decided to leave so that opened an extra spot because it did seem like they, wait a second how do they have any scholarships left yeah. i guess they still have one more uh besides adding the laurent laurent or however you say that adding him He's intriguing, Kyle. Look, I know he shot 47% from three, which is outstanding and better than Dizzy and everything else, but he didn't He didn't really start at UMass. Is that a concern for you? Uh, yeah, but he's... He, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it just... It, I feel like with guys like him, like, it's so situation dependent. I don't know that he's going to be asked to start at Oklahoma State either. I know that Kyle Boone said, you know, there, there's the potential that he could. Uh, so he plays his first two years at Rutgers. He averages his freshman year. He averages eight points a game, eight points and five rebounds, and an assist a game. So that's a that's a pretty good freshman year. Drops off his sophomore year uh, and plays like half the minutes. So something happened there transfers to UMass and he I mean he averaged 10 and 5 10 5 and 2 uh for UMass last year started he started 13 of 30 games so he started a little bit only played 23 minutes a game though so I don't know I mean it doesn't it doesn't bother me just because I mean uh, how good was UMass last year they couldn't have been that much better or worse than Oklahoma State right well, they that's were fair. uh let's see well they were 11 and 21 so maybe <laughs> that's my point. Look, I, I like the potential here. I mean, 47% from three, he's six, six that fits, you know, what, what Boynton's trying to recruit as long athletic guys who can space the floor. He, he fits. And, and I like what I, what I see on just pure numbers standpoint. I'm just trying to trying to be devil's advocate here. When I, when I look at the fact that he didn't start at a, at a team like UMass, that, that, that's all I'm doing is tempering, any expectations just and you're right Kyle but these grad transfer guys you just got to see them play a few games to, to come to any conclusions right yeah I mean it's yeah like it to me it's the the Mike Cunningham your your father who tra- who <laughs> left left the program 
He's here about five minutes, wasn't he? Yeah, that that didn't last very long. But I mean, in all seriousness, though, Boynton needs somebody to like stick. You know, I feel like it's every year, oh, five new guys, seven new guys, whatever it is, and then it's just depleted by you know you got Trey Reeves wheeling around on his little scooter because he, you know, what did he do? Broke his ankle or whatever, and you're like, wow, we kind of need that guy in uniform. You know, by the end of the year, and so. It's, uh, I don't know. They just need a season where everything, everybody sticks around. Every, everything is cohesive and, but Hey, look, the, the, the class this year to me is incredibly exciting. We've talked about this. They're number 20 right now in terms of, uh, class rankings. They're ahead of OU. OU dropped below them actually, uh, recently. I just noticed that today. So they're third in the Big 12 behind, uh, I believe, behind Tech and Texas in terms of recruiting classes for for this upcoming season. So, I, I mean, I think that's incredibly exciting. In terms of Laurent, I, I don't – you have no idea how he's going to fit into what OSU does, their system, you know, how that's all going to work out. But I can't imagine that they're going to, you know, really ask him to do much beyond – coming off the bench, you know, hitting a couple of threes, filling in eight, 12, 15 minutes or whatever. Um, but if, but if he works, maybe he does start, who knows? It's exciting. I mean, Boynton, Boynton has certainly reloaded after, after losing everybody that, that, that is obvious. So I, I can't wait to see what, what these guys look like uh, come yeah. next year. Uh, speaking of Oregon state, last bit of news here. Oklahoma State baseball sweeps Oregon State over the weekend. How about that? Number two, Oregon State swept at home on their stupid all-turf field up there in Corvallis. Get that out of here. <laughs> what is up with the turf baseball fields? I mean, that's, it's just... That's it's, sacrilegious, isn't it? Well, it's... Yeah, it's terrible, but... OU has it, that crap. Yeah, it's like and fake it's... like fake dirt. They have, like, the, the dirt's different colored turf. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, it's awful. Like if you're gonna do the turf, do the do the Astrodome where um, you've got turf, but you have real dirt around the bases. I played on that, by the way. It's kind of it's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, the fake dirt turf thing. Like what? <laughs> what in the world? Get that out of here. But well, and you're like the, you're a perennial top five program. That's something that like Mickey Mouse baseball program should do. And I, I get maybe it's a. Maybe it's a financial deal where yeah, that's what I'm going to say. Yeah, I keep... assume that I assume that's why. And yeah. I I never played baseball in AstroTurf, so I don't I don't even know if it's better or worse or whatever. Just the purist it's, in me doesn't like it. It's so fast. Like if you get if you're playing third or shortstop and you get like a screaming one hopper off the turf, like it 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 almost it's almost like a trampoline where it comes off the turf faster than it came off the bat. Oh, I mean, man. it's, it's, it's insane, but you, I mean, there's no bad hops, right? Like there's, it's not like there's yeah rocks out there for it to, for, you know, the ball to hit, but anyway, Oklahoma state baseball, um, that's, that was really exciting. You know, the, it, we're at a time of year and we've talked about this where there's just, there's not a ton going on. You got golf kind of, you got some early football recruiting, some late basketball recruiting, but for them to go up to Corvallis and sweep Oregon state. While, while Oregon State's number two in the country, that that was uh, that was cool. That was a big deal. Yeah, it's a huge deal, and it's it's big for the Big Twelve as well. As far as the overall, you know, come come regional time, that'll that'll really help, and it just it helps the conference when you when a team does that. So, and I know OSU got swept by Tech, and then to recover, and 
I guess that's the first time Oregon State have been swept at home since 2010. <laughs> that's that's a long time ago. Yeah. It so is. I mean, no, I mean that's that's positive momentum heading into Bedlam. And um, do you have the number? I meant to pull up the numbers on Bedlam. How many straight is this that OSU's beaten Oklahoma? I think they've swept them two years in a row, maybe. I want to say I it's up to like me, nine or eleven or something like that. They've they've dominated OU under Holiday, so that's that's good good mojo going into Bedlam this weekend. Yeah, because they beat them earlier this year, and the last time they they will uh, play them at at Alley P. So um, speaking of that, let's get to this week's OSU schedule. Brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one stop cowboy shop on campus corner. Be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Okay, uh, Oklahoma State softball got. Speaking of sweeps, got swept by OU last weekend. They will be at the Big 12s this weekend in Oklahoma City. Uh, they ended up finishing second in the regular season to 48-2 and two OU. How about that? 48-2. and two. OU softball has won 38 straight this year. I think 40-something in Big 12 dating back to last year. And, get this, and they haven't lost a series in the Big 12, Kyle, since 2011. <laughs> so... They're really good, and they're probably going to win the national championship. But I will say this. OSU's kind of become their their number one competition. I think that's a testament to Kenny Gajewski and the job he's done at OSU softball. I mean, they they were in most of those, those two of those three games. They just had two bad pitches that ended up being back-to-back homers. Yeah. For everything else, they're, they're close games. But that's that's what OU does to you. One one wrong pitch, and they're hitting it out. So yeah. And they're pitching, they're pitching just year in, year out. It's just filthy. Yeah, it is. Uh, Oklahoma State baseball, uh, like we talked about against OU this weekend, they go, what, Tulsa on Friday, Oklahoma City Saturday, and Norman on Sunday? Is that right? I think that's right. It used to be, we're talking about Bedlam baseball, it's Tulsa Friday and then Bricktown Ballpark in Oklahoma City Saturday, Sunday. Oh, they're not in Norman at all? I thought they were in Norman on Sunday. Uh, unless they change, they may have changed it to where they're at home venues, but I think... I- I think they did move it because they played that one gamer earlier this year in, in Stillwater. So I think they were trying to hit all four locations. I'm going to have to, probably something I'm have to get Stat should, Boy on this. Probably something that we should have known beforehand. Uh, we're going to have uh, Marshall Scott and Jackson uh, LaVarnway at the Tulsa game, or the game in Tulsa on Friday night. So that'll be fun. Looking forward to that. And then Okay, uh, sorry, clarifying. It's Tulsa Friday. Bricktown Ballpark, Saturday, and you're right, Norman on Sunday. Yeah, okay. Uh, and then men's golf regionals in Louisville starts on Monday, Carson. Uh, Oklahoma State will be the heavy favorite there. And, uh, yeah, should uh, should roll. Really the did only – you watch, Did you watch Driven on Monday? I didn't. I didn't, no. Well, I, I only caught a snippet of it, and it was showing OSU losing match play to mm. Alabama, which – which, did not help me with my fears about them in match play because I think Wolf and Hovland won theirs, and then the, the other three guys got beat. So wait, when where was this at? When was this? I don't have any idea. Um, it was a season, obviously. It's on on Driven. It was earlier in the year because Auburn and Alabama that was in the semis, and Auburn and Alabama ended up meeting in the finals of this. Turn. I think it was just. I don't know if they did just individual play and then match play or if it was just a match play college tournament. I think it might have been a match play college tournament just to get them ready for NCAAs. They should be doing that more if that's going to determine yeah, the title. I know, they, I know they have a Big 12 match play deal um, early, early in the year, which I think was created to, to do that very thing, to kind of help them out with that. But no, I, I did not. 
I did not see that portion of it. Uh, I know Ricky Fowler and Justin Thomas very excited about uh, co-producing the uh, the Driven series. So, lots right. of quotes from Alan Bratton go. We we can't just show up and win. We we got to earn it. You know, a lot, it's gotta be, it's a lot of those gotta, quotes. Yeah, it's got to be so hard where you're like, okay, we've got you know, future ten time winner Matthew Wolf, future five time PGA Tour winner Victor. How, how do I motivate these guys to you know finish out their yeah, I mean, it's legitimately, it's it's so it's got to be so difficult for them knowing what's on the other side of this season to maintain focus, you know, to care about trying to beat uh, Baylor at the f- freaking Louisville Regional in the middle of May. You're like, what? Whatever. I don't. I just I just got done with the Masters. I just beat, you know, I I, I just beat Justin Rose by ten strokes at the Masters. Why do I care about, you know, beating out? Louisville and Baylor and all these teams at, at, uh, regionals. Well, they want to win a title, but yeah, no, it's, I, I know they, they, I they, know. they know, they know they're advancing from regionals. So your, your points well, well taken. Um, okay. Let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's university spirit. And then I got a little, uh, Thursday trivia for, for you, Carson. And we'll do, uh, we'll do one interesting thing to wrap things up. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, I got I got two trivia questions for you. I'm pretty excited about this. Are you are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So, first one is baseball and second one is football. We'll go baseball first. How many regular season Big 12 titles? Uh, does has Oklahoma State won? So they're currently in third place behind. Uh, I had it pulled up. I think they're behind uh, Baylor and Tech. Are number one and number two. They're currently in third. How many Big Twelve regular season titles has Oklahoma State won? Texas isn't in the top three. That's surprising. Um, I was until you told me they were third. I was going to say two. I think Frank won no, one. No, no, no. no. The, they're they're currently third in the Big Twelve standings. Oh, I thought you meant not not third total titles. Okay, Texas is in last by the way this year. That's, they're six and fourteen. Crazy. Baylor's fourteen they, and six. Because Texas, Texas plays on that silly turf. I guess <laughs> yeah. Tech I guess big time programs seven. play on it. I was wrong about that. Oklahoma State's ten and eight and in third place right now. I'm going to say two Big 12 championships, one with Frank, one with Josh. Obviously, this does not include Gary Ward's run the Big 8. Right. Uh, this is 97 to, to present, just the Big 12. Uh, they only have one. Oh, wow. The one um, holiday they wanted, one? They won it in 2014. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so shocking. Te- Texas has nine. Texas A&M has four. Baylor has three. Nebraska has three. RIP. Uh Texas Tech has three, TCU has two, and Kansas State and Oklahoma State have one. Well, Frank Anderson was pretty Travis Fordian. <laughs> That's a good. And that call. was that was most that was most of the Big Twelve era. I mean, he had a, they, he had 
He had that one really good team where they got that silly Andy Oliver situation where they were hosting a regional. But oh, other yeah. than that, it was pretty much a lot of, a lot of disappointments. They also have two uh, Big 12 tournament titles. So Texas has five, Nebraska four, A&M three, and Oklahoma State has two uh, Big 12 tournaments. They won it, obviously, in 2017, a couple years ago. And then they also won it, I think, um, or I know, Josh Fields was on this team. They won it in 2004 when it was mm. in, I think it was in, like, I think it was in Arlington, like when it, when it used to be down here. Hmm. So, um, actually, Josh Fields wouldn't have been on that team, would he? Oh four, that was uh, his last. Yeah, he went to the 04 Cotton Bowl with uh, Rashawn. Okay, the o- yeah. 03, 04, I guess would be my freshman yeah. year. Yeah, so he would have been. Yeah, uh, pretty cool that you know last season of LAP, if if OSU just if they finish the season strong they could they could host a regional in the last season of LAP. that would be that would be a really cool way to, to send it out yeah that would be awesome okay uh next trivia question you did pre- pretty good on that one you were close um where does oklahoma state rank all time in terms of nfl draft picks most nfl draft picks this is updated through 2019 but it also goes back to like the ni- the like mid 1930s when the nfl draft started so you got to account for that, but where where do you think they rank all time? Oh man, um, I'll go with the. Uh, how about forty fifth? Is my guess. That's a that's a great guess. Um, Syracuse is actually forty fifth. Oklahoma State is fifty sixth. Oh, okay. That's even had, lower than I thought. They've had 163 players drafted, the same number as the University of Virginia. I guess you got to factor in that OSU wasn't trying to win at football until like the mid 80s. Right. Really, they weren't even trying to win until Boone Pickens gave money because well, they were they were a shell of a program, really. They, they weren't they weren't trying to win between like the 50s and the yeah, 2000s. Because they they did win in the 40s. Right. Um, well, yeah. all apologies to Jim Lookabaugh or whoever that was. <laughs> Bob Finnamore. I've got I've got a thing here on Bob Finnamore. So I went down this rabbit <laughs> hole of like, wait, there was an NFL draft in 1947. Sure there was. Bob Finnamore went number one overall to the Chicago Bears, drafted out of wow. Oklahoma, Oklahoma A&M. Not only that, Oklahoma State had the eighth pick in, in that draft as well. The, the Philadelphia Eagles selected Neil Armstrong, not the astronaut, but the uh, the end out of Oklahoma A&M. So Oklahoma State in 1947 had two of the top eight picks. Take that, Army. 1945 Army. Had, Army. Army had two of the top seven picks. Oh, uh, okay. Never mind. Stand <laughs> so corrected. This is how the first round went. Uh, the Bears had the first pick. They picked Fenimore. Then the next players taken are from Army, Yale, UCLA, Texas, UCLA, Army, Oklahoma State, St. Mary's, Northwestern, and Wisconsin. Wow. It's incredible. The That's draft like the took, rabbit hole you went down. The, I'm, I'm like lost. There were 32 rounds. The draft took place in the Commodore <laughs> Hotel in New York City. How do they even keep track of 32 rounds? Who, who I, does that? I don't know. Mr. Mr. Irrelevant that year was Don Clayton. He was a tailback from North Carolina got taken by the New York Giants 1947 
Well, shouts to the blonde bomber, Bob Fenimore. Yeah, number one overall pick. N- number one overall pick. Do you know who's number one uh, colleges with the most most draft picks all time? There's two teams most that have cleared draft picks. There's two teams that have cleared 500 picks. Uh, USC. Yep, five ten. They're number one. And Miami. Now they're like number nine. Notre Dame is number two. With oh, I should have thought of Notre Dame. They're more traditional. Ohio State has 453, and then OU is fourth with 393. Yeah, that's in no way surprising. Yeah. Um, Okay, that's Thursday trivia for you. Interesting. I like it. Uh, Okay, one interesting thing. What do you got for me? Uh, Oklahoma State wrestling. Not only does this kid have the coolest name ever, his name's AJ Ferrari. (laughs) It's the best name. Like, this is like a comic book name. He's, I guess, visiting OSU, and I really just wanted to give a shout out to Seth Seth Duckworth, who is yeah. doing a tremendous job for your your site covering wrestling. I know wrestling is a sport that most fans think, and and they're right they're right in this doesn't get enough coverage. But I think Seth's doing as well as anybody possibly can on, on OSU wrestling. So if you're a fan, you got to follow him on Twitter. And he he posted that if they were able to get this AJ Ferrari, they would be like their highest ranked recruiting class in 20 years, and that includes. Wow the team that that includes a team that won four straight national championships. So I think for the wrestling fans who are eager for them to dethrone Penn state, if they, if they land him and they, John Smith keeps recruiting at the level he is now, I think they'll, they'll have a shot to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Seth, Seth has been awesome. He just does his thing. I don't know how he keeps up with, I mean, we can barely keep up with like football and basketball recruiting. I don't know how you keep up with wrestling recruiting, but (laughs) He does a great job of it, and uh, yeah, people should should definitely be following him. Uh, my one interesting thing is how many not so. Uh, Bud Elliott wrote a piece for SB Nation about the first round, the 2019 first round of the NFL draft, and there were 17 guys taken in the first round who coming out of high school were either four or five star guys. So basically, your blue chip type guys which means there were 15 who were not, who were three stars, two stars, whatever. One of those we talked about earlier, Marquise Brown. I think he was like a three-star coming out. And he listed – people should go read this article because it's really interesting. And he listed all the reasons why they were not – these guys were not highly ranked coming out of high school. And the primary reason is because they had like a – significant he called it an outlier physical change so this is like a d an offensive lineman gaining 70 pounds in college well that doesn't happen like that's very you know abnormal like it, it it just doesn't happen and so that was like the number one reason for um why some of these guys were not highly ranked coming out of high school but another one was they went to a really small high school the kid from duke uh daniel jones he said that they didn't even have bleachers at their high school. Like people just stood and watched, <laughs> which sounds crazy. It sounds like a youth soccer game. Um, but there's there's like these 10 or 11 different things about like w- why recruiting services missed on these guys. And I don't know. I just found the whole thing very intriguing. Well, that's how Mike Gundy's had the career he's had is getting guys like that. Yeah. Getting guys – you know, Cole Walterscheid's a guy that comes to mind. He he put on what, like seventy pounds, sixty pounds in college yeah, of muscle. Yeah. So like, 
that's where Rob Glass comes into play. So that's that's kind of the recruiting philosophy of, of Mike Gundy, you know, taking guys who have, you know, what what was the Walter Scheid deal? He, he looked at his mom and his dad. Good genes. And was like, good genes. Yeah, good genes. <laughs> so the, there's, a, there's a science to it. I think, I think Gundy kind of subscribes to, to Bud Elliott's article there. You know what stings is the uh, the Josh Jacobs thing, because the reason so he was one of those guys. He was a three star coming out of or maybe a two star coming out of Oklahoma, goes to Alabama, and his his uh, but uh, it's reasoning for like that he wasn't a a blue chipper was he, the same thing. He went to a small high school, which I don't know where did he go in Tulsa. Tulsa Tulsa McLean, which I don't know enough about Tulsa to know, but. That that's not like a eight man school or anything like that. Yeah, and so maybe that's maybe this is just like retroactively like assigning because <laughs> I think Bud Elliott does a lot of recruiting stuff. So maybe it's like retroactively assigning blame. But well, Tulsa McLean has like seven hundred students, so maybe it is small. <laughs> pretty, yeah, it's pretty small. Yep. So that one stings though because that's somebody that. You know, Oklahoma State, I'm sure if they would have – or maybe they did offer. Did they offer him? I don't think – I think OU did late. Oh, I don't think OSU ever did. Yeah. Uh, you know who else went to Tulsa McLean? A little trivia for you. Prentice? No. Shea Seals played basketball <laughs> Seals. At, at Tulsa. He was awesome. He was incredible. <laughs> yeah. He was on Great those – uh, He was on those, like, Elite Eight teams. I think he was – was he on the self teams? No, he was cl- – well, maybe he graduated high school in '93, so maybe a little earlier than that. I could uh, be wrong. Hell, I don't. I don't know. I'm, I'm old. My memory's fading. Missouri offered Josh Jacobs. Iowa State offered him. OU offered him. Oklahoma State did not offer him. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> we, we too too full. Not not uh, bad jeans. <laughs> bad jeans. Bad, bad jeans. His mom's Mom, not mom tall enough. Mom was short. <laughs> and I, I get it. You can't recruit everybody. I mean, no, they recruit I, nationwide. I Running back, you only have so many spots. I mean, I, I can I can see how they didn't recruit him in, he was in, in the, the moment. He was the number four recruit out of Oklahoma that year. Yeah, Tremont- see, like, he wasn't an unknown. That's the crazy part of it. Tremonda Moore was uh, number one. Terry Wilson was number two. He went to Oregon. He was out of Dell City. Now he's at Kentucky. Is he really? Yeah, he's their quarterback. He did really uh, well last year. But, like, the, for instance, Kyle, there's a kid named Dominic Richardson who's running back at Bishop McGinnis here in Oklahoma City. Really good high school player. But Oklahoma has, like, two of the top three running backs in the country committed. I know. I Oklahoma know. State is doing their thing, recruiting guys probably at a higher level than him. And this, this kid's going to TCU, and we're probably – Two or three years from now, when he's scoring touchdowns on OU and OSU, we're like, "Why didn't they recruit this kid?" Well, it's just it's <laughs> yeah. a numbers game. You can't recruit everybody. Totally. Uh, you know who was number three in that year's class out of Oklahoma? Uh, he's playing defense for Oklahoma State right now. No clue. Calvin Bundage. Oh, Bundage. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then number nine out of Oklahoma that year was a guy named Justice Hill. Mm. So maybe maybe Jacobs was too highly touted. Maybe Gundy didn't want somebody. That, yeah, like, he he want, he wanted to go deeper on the list. Tell you who had good genes, 
Justice Hill. <laughs> Mike Mike looked at his brother Dax and said, "Good genes." <laughs> his brother Dax in seventh grade at the yeah. Time. He's like he looked at his seventh grade Dax and said, "I'm I'm recruit this justice here to, kid to get this one." And Dylan, kind of fruition. <laughs> Dylan Stoner was uh, number twelve recruit out of Oklahoma that year, so maybe maybe Josh Jacobs was too high of recruit. Uh, okay, Carson, what do you got coming up this weekend? Oh, watching a little Big Twelve baseball. It's my plan. Yeah, sweet. I love it. I uh, I've got Byron Nelson in Dallas. Oh yeah. Pro- probably not going to go because I'm getting ready for the PGA next week. But um, Beth Page, baby. Yeah, I'm excited. I'll be heading out next Tuesday, and uh, well, I'm yeah. sad I can't join you for this major, but uh, <laughs> I can't. I can't. You know, every time I've attended a major, Tigers won, so maybe you'll have to find a way to get up there. I know. Maybe you get out to Pebble. Oof, don't don't tease me. <laughs> All right, Carson. Uh, good stuff. We will talk to you next week. Sounds good. Have a good weekend. See ya.